right, welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I'm joined by Jordan Metcalf, who is uh, joining me from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Cool, yeah. Thanks for having me. So let's get into it. Let's get into, uh, I guess we'll start from kind of the beginning. You know, when did you first find your love for typography, for design? Um, you're from Cape Town and uh, just recently moved here to the States. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take the lead and then we'll go from there and kind of get into your professional career. But what were your humble beginnings like? Oh man, um, well, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm maybe like a bit older than a lot of the people doing this now. So my beginnings were um, kind of, I just, I, I, when I finished school, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I wanted to study architecture and a bunch of other stuff. And uh, and then I, I kind of went into one of those career counseling little meetings with someone to try to figure it out. And they suggested graphic design and I didn't really know much about it. But then I went and I checked it out. I started studying it and I kind of got really into it actually. Um, it kind of was one of the instances where I, th- I think those uh, those counselors know what they're talking about, I suppose. Um, <laughs> That's what they helped me out so for sure, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I kind of felt like it was this exact thing where um, I think I've always been sort of someone who, who likes being artistic and, and has always been trying to create stuff, but then also been pretty analytical and... Um, and it's problem solving. And I think it was kind of, for me, design's always been that kind of great border, that intersection of kind of problem solving, working for and with other people, um, but then also creating creating something that didn't exist before. Yeah, so then I, I kind of, just I, I suppose during college, like um, at the time in South Africa, uh, I mean, there was very limited, I don't know, I guess this was like early 2000s, like maybe like 2001. Um, so like the, the internet, as we, I, I guess, kind of look now, was, was like a lot smaller and um, we had limited access back then. Um, so a lot of it was kind of like a, a process of kind of trial and error and discovery. It wasn't kind of, I guess, what it is today where people are just going and, you know, you can look at a thousand uh, design yeah. inspiration <laughs> blogs every second and, right. and just kind of overwhelm yourself. Because I can't imagine if I'd, if I'd started up now, I would have quit because it would have just seemed... Um, yeah. Just too overwhelming, you know, like there's just too much great work out there. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's totally a thing. I have that right now. I have that with your work specifically, so. <laughs> I'm no, like, I want to be like this. I don't think I can do this, but one day. Yeah, so, so I suppose um, I kind of started getting really into typography. I was being really into, um, I, I guess, words and reading, um, uh, philosophy, um, like a bunch of kind of related things. And I, and I suppose I saw within typography, uh, or working with literary maybe, um, or just kind of actually starting to understand what literary typography was when I started studying design. Like it wasn't just a thing that existed in the world that actually had intention and concept behind it. And um, so this was the early days, and I, I kind of felt it was like this resonance with uh, with other parts of my life that I was kind of into. So I, I formed an interest in it, but then um, I got into a bunch of other stuff too, like animation and a bunch of things in college. So when I finished studying, I went and I, I worked for a for a few different kind of um, small companies and larger design companies trying out kind of different things. And I think in a way it was discovering what I didn't want to do more than what I did want to do. For um, sure. So it's kind of like I did some print design, which was cool, got some interesting, um, and I was working for this, uh, for just this one guy who had this company and I was kind of like his, um, his designer, I guess, for this, for this brand he was running. Um, which was interesting, and I think it kind of threw me in the deep end a little bit. Um, and then I went and worked for a web design company and got incredibly sick of that super quickly. Yeah. <laughs> because it was, I suppose it was like back in the day of like Flash and um, much more boring internet shit where it was like 800 by 600. Yeah. Um, 
Photoshop files and it just really wasn't uh, wasn't that exciting for me. Yeah. And then after that, I kind of um, I was still really interested in this uh, in this world of, of animation, and so I eventually got a job after that at a kind of directing animated commercials, um, which was like a whole different world and really interesting. But I guess kind of behind the scenes of all of this, um, I was doing my own illustration and kind of um, experimentation um, just at home. I guess because I was young and had much more energy and didn't need as much sleep. Right. Um, so, you know, that kind of hustle when you're in your early 20s or whatever, getting into this, and, you know, it's, it's, you're putting in the longer hours. Uh, yeah. So, and it's kind of right a lot of this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you got to do it, especially now, I suppose. But, um, yeah. And a lot of that was, uh, I didn't realize at the time, I guess, but it was, um, it was kind of lettering. I just, there was no reference point for me to, to kind of understood understand what it was in, in the greater context of design. I was just playing with words and illustrating them as well as doing other illustration kind of work. Because um, at the time, like I said, there wasn't, there weren't that many people at least that I knew of doing this. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like I had a bunch of people I was looking up to whose work I was trying to like sort of um, get into and get into the details. So I thought it was pretty bad, I'm sure, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of just me experimenting. And I think the benefit it was that you know, on one hand, you don't have uh, you don't have these uh, kind of people to look up to and kind of um, be inspired by. But on the other hand, you're also not constrained. You know, you're not looking at, at right. people's work and going like, "Shit, I just want to do that. It's amazing. It's like so inspiring." And I can see that in your work too. Your work doesn't look like it's inspired from one place. They're like drastically different. You can't put your thumb on it at all, almost, which is a really great thing to have, especially in these days. Yeah, I think. Um, I, I mean. And again, I guess it's it's because of that. Like I didn't um, I didn't come into this thinking, oh, I want to be like this kind of I want to get into vintage lettering stuff, or I want to be like super experimental, like futuristic type. And and you know you, you get all those people, and it's it's really inspiring from different angles. But for me, it was just kind of like playing with different ideas. So so I guess back to like the little history is um so I've been doing this stuff on the side and. I guess over time I was just realizing that the stuff I was working on for, for other people was not as interesting to me as the stuff I wanted to kind of do myself. Mm-hmm. And and then I think it was kind of, it reached a, a bit of a, a crossroad with the, with the animation studio I was working for where I suppose I was getting into more of a almost creative director position, but I was still quite young and I felt like the more I got into that, the less of my own work I was doing there and the more I was kind of like overseeing the work of other people, which is, which I think is cool, but um. I felt like that was my time to kind of um, probably where I should have been doing more of my own stuff. Right. And so kind of the, the the situation came up and it was kind of a, a stay there and, and maybe move up into, into a more senior role there or maybe just give a go at, uh, at freelancing and kind of going out on my own. And so then I did that and um, I guess the only stuff I decided to put on on the hearts, which I think also luckily at the time was, was a bit smaller. Um, I, I kind of put up this, these random kind of experimentation things I've been working on, um, these lettering experiments and some other illustration work, which I've now really um, probably deleted off the internet. I hope. Um, (laughs) I know. I always think I have it all. And I'm like, Oh, I find something every once in a while. That's like, um, you know, like I made like a crop account people like, we found your work on crop. I'm like, Oh dear God. Like, what does that yeah, look like? Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Um, it's I'm sure it's so much worse for for younger people now because like you start when you're like in your teen like when you're a teenager and putting shit on the internet. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I, I think 
you know, a lot of it, I think I can't really claim any, um, any sort of particular, um, like it was all planned or anything. I mean, a lot of it, I think, really was just like, uh, it was the right time, right place. Um, I mean, I guess it was a bit of like a mimetic zeitgeist thing where at the same time as I was doing this, there were other people around the world doing it. Like, I mean, you know, guys like Alex Trichet and those guys were, were kind of sewing. Well, I mean, I think he had probably been sewing it a few years before I had, but I mean, you know, there were other players in the game now, I think, which were kind of paving the, um, the way, I guess, to, to what, uh, to some of what I was doing and a lot of what's happening now, you know, which, right. which is um, the reason it can be successful, I suppose, in a commercial sense. And so kind of when I put this work online, um, it got featured on Behance, which I think back then was, was a little bit more prominent, you know, it was like this kind of front page thing. And yeah. when you went to Behance, like you landed on that page. And so if you were on that front page, your work was like way more visible and there were just less people on it, um, which kind of luckily got me, um, you know, got me seen by, I guess, some, some, some art buyers at Nike. Um, and so like, I think I've done a couple of other jobs, but like some of my first freelance work when I when I went out on my own was to do sort of experimental design type work for, for Nike, which was kind of a crazy opportunity at the time, yeah, especially, sure. I mean, for this like kids uh, living in Cape Town in the middle of nowhere um, <laughs> in, the, in the greater kind of um, sense of the, of the international design world, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was, it was, just, I mean, it was just the perfect, uh, the perfect kind of situation, I suppose, of I'd been experimenting with this sort of stuff over time, realizing what it was, realizing how it fitted into the greater kind of context of, of what was happening in the design world, and then getting commercial work um, that allowed me to carry on doing that in a sort of, uh, you know, in a client capacity, which I think is a, a huge thing because it's easy enough to do to do a lot of this shit on your own and you're sitting around and you're playing with stuff and you're experimenting, but... Um, yeah. You know, for, for I suppose, especially for bigger clients, like a lot of the time, the the logo is something that uh, that tells people you can do this stuff, but you can also do it on time in a deadline or in your budget. Own, in your own way, on um, your own kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's um, so it's just it allows people to understand that oh, okay, cool, this person is they're not just like um, they're not just spending six months maybe doing this. So it's, it's something that can be viable um, to kind of hire them for. And so I think it kind of started falling into place from there. And I mean, I think importantly, this was never, I mean, getting into lettering, I suppose, was never for me um, this huge strategic and intentional thing. Like I actually do a lot of other design work and branding work. And um, you mentioned, I don't put yeah. as much of it on the, um, on the internet, I guess, because uh, it's just harder to document for me and I, I'm, I'm not great at like photographing and stuff I do. Um, yeah. But lettering is kind of, I suppose one of those things where I started doing it and it was fun and then I got more work for it and then the more work for, I got from it, the more work I got from it, the more I did it. Yeah. And it's turned into, I think it's inadvertently kind of turned into a career somewhat. Um, <laughs> it's funny how that happens, huh? I hear that a lot on this podcast. It's really interesting. People are like, well, like I did this thing and I got good at that thing and I was planning on doing other things, but then now this is my career. It's almost like a career by yeah. accident. I look at your work and I think one of the things that's really striking about it is, is that I, you know, what makes it really great obviously is first and foremost, like the composition, the colors, you know, the typefaces and everything like that. But you definitely have like real solid, like 
technical skills, like things that really have to be learned. It's not just like, you know, you went and used like the liquefy tool. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you do is really quite extensive. And I would imagine like you had to like take classes or something like, like, can you give me a little insight on, on that? So I know that like you're obviously experimenting, but I would, I would assume that you're spending a lot of time learning these techniques. Like what's your... Do you have like a secret? Like where do you, <laughs> do you, like go, do you go somewhere <laughs> yeah, like lynda.com or like LinkedIn learning? Where do you learn all these awesome skills um, from? To be honest, I, I literally don't know if I've ever done a class or anything. Um, a lot of it is just, it's kind of, um, I'm trying to think of an analogy, but it's, it's kind of just like a self-building thing. So, you know, you start off and you have, uh, you have zero skills with, with something like Illustrator. So you open the program and then you learn to, to do a certain thing. Yeah. And I think when you, when, you, when you open yourself up to that kind of experimentation, um, you know, you're, not, you're not aiming for a goal, which I think is the, not the danger, but I suppose the, um, yeah, maybe the danger that a lot of you know, people coming into this are, um, right now are, are kind of heading towards where you don't allow yourself to play with things because you kind of already think you know where you want to go. Right, right. So I'm like, oh, I'm really into into this kind of like vintage Americana, and so all you're doing is trying to figure out how to make that thing. Right. But um, when you open yourself up to to experimentation, you're like, I'm not trying to do anything specific. I'm just going to play around with this thing, and then see that like, oh, when I use this particular effect in in Illustrator, when I try this technique, this happens, and then kind of trying to figure out like, cool, how did how could I use that for something else? Yeah. Um, I've been having that recently, yeah. Yeah, so um, literally, I, th I think it's just, you know, I've been doing this for, for a long time. I'm, I'm like, I'm almost 34. Um, so I think it's looking just Looking young, man. I'm looking real young. <laughs> um, you know, what you, about it? On 26, you look younger than I do, man. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I, I mean, it's just, you know, you kind of, you learn one thing, you learn another thing. Um, years go by, then you have maybe like, you know, you have this little cachet of things you can call on and, and kind of put together and um, and piece together and, and kind of rearrange and use. And you're kind of constantly learning little techniques that you've you've developed. And then every time you do something new, you might find a slightly different way of tweaking it or a slightly more efficient way of doing it or a slightly better way of, of getting the same thing. Right. So, I mean, for instance, I do a lot of shit where, um, I mean, you joke about the liquefy filter, but a lot of times I'll do something pretty simple and I go into a project and I'm like shit this one's going to just be my really clean simple one I'm not going to I'm not going to mess around and get too complicated with this right but then inevitably I, I kind of do the simple version and then I take it into Photoshop or something and then I go like oh let me just like mess around with like, these filters for a bit and then I'll eventually end up where I've got like three or four like Photoshop like layer effects happening <laughs> or filters and stuff and, and it really is like you know the liquify tool can be dope if you like if yeah, you no, for sure. You, um, you know, like out of glows can be cool if you. Yeah. All the shit that's like terrible when you put it on and you don't play with the settings. Um, you know, if you mine deep into that stuff, you can do amazing stuff. And I suppose it's like, you know, the the extreme of this is when you see those uh, Photoshop comp sites where you can go, you can go get like the the template for like dimensional lettering or like a signage thing or whatever and it's like you can type in that thing and it just applies all the effects and at the end of it you got this amazing um kind of realistic thing happening and it's just someone who just knows how to use those uh right 
the tools at their disposal really well. Where would you um, where, where would you find them? Like, cause I don't really know exactly like where you'd find something like that. Like, oh man, I, I'm trying to think now. But um, would you I, recommend I, just trying to do it yourself? Because <laughs> I think whenever you kind of take those shortcuts, you're like kind of doing yourself a disservice, right? Yeah, I would literally always suggest first trying to do something yourself. So I mean, like, you know, for me, it's kind of like get inspired by stuff and then if, if you're young especially and you're trying to figure this out um you know i would say even if there's stuff you really want to do and put into the world um that's fine then put that stuff into the world but i would say like it's a good idea to to learn and try try even emulate i guess um as many different things as you can just to figure out how they're done like yeah. break it down and and understand how they work yeah. it's kind of like but if you if you become a doctor, you know you could be a you could eventually specialize in brain surgery or whatever, which is an incredibly specialized field. But right. that doesn't mean you're not going to know the fundamentals of medicine before that. It's not right. like you can just right, right, yeah. go straight into it and become a brain surgeon and not understand how how like the heart works or or the or the blood system or whatever. You know, you're going to need to know all the fundamentals to right. to make your job well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think experimentation and just trying stuff out is, is always going to be the, at least for me, I think it's been a, a big, a big part of me. And, and I kind of always, uh, to be honest, I rebel a little bit personally against um, doing the same types of work over and over just myself. Yeah. Don't I, do that I, all, I, no. I mean, I do stuff that's kind of, you know, where clients say like, cool, we really love this thing you do. Can you do this for us? And then it's often, you know, more often than not, a conversation of going and trying to figure out what they like about that thing, and then figuring out how to take what they like, um, but still do something that's still going to be unique to them. Yeah. So you're, talk, because, you're mean, talking to the client, trying to understand, because they may not be able to vocalize what it is that they like about it, but you can kind of then take your expertise and say, like, okay, well, that's this thing. Well, that's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So someone, someone will go, like, uh, we love this piece you did. We want something exactly like this. Um, and then you kind of be like, cool, well, I'm not really interested in doing something exactly like that um, for many reasons. But, uh, you know, you can you can understand that like, okay, cool. So you you obviously are interested in something that's um, maybe more detailed or like it has a, like a kind of older feel to it or a newer feel to it or like a dimensionality or or kind of what was the original um, idea or uh, inspiration behind the thing you were interested in because maybe the same things are inspiring in this one and, and so what i generally do is um i'll at least try to to show someone something that that goes from what they're asking for to what i think will work better for them mm -hmm. and then see you know like it doesn't always work out sometimes people literally just want you to yeah sort of feature <laughs> and be your own cover band you know and, and that's right. often a failure of, um, of imagination by a client more than anything else. Um, and you deal with that sometimes. But uh, for the most part, I mean, for me, just to stay interested in, I suppose, um, the only way I can stay interested in it is by not doing that. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking before about the experimental stuff. Um, and, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to bridge the gap between the industry's best and uh, entry-level designers. So, um, obviously, you mentioned, ex you mentioned experimenting. Um, and things of that nature. What are some of the other things for uh, young creatives, or doesn't necessarily have to be young, just people that are venturing into the world of design? And what are some of the most important things to keep in mind? And um, what are some of the things you should probably stay away from? It's probably uh, 
ties in with what I was saying. I, I think, you know, like diversify your interests, I suppose, like to be honest. Um, and not just your, your design interests, but just everything. I think, you know, you kind of, in order to make stuff, you need to actually be inspired by things. And not everything that's inspiring is in the field that you're creating in. But I went through a really long period where I kind of almost stubbornly refused to even go on the internet um, <laughs> and kind of look at design work because I just felt like I wasn't that interested in, in trying to be inspired by it the type of work I was already making mm -hmm. and I kind of wanted as much authenticity with what I was making as possible and I felt like you know if I did something and it happened to look like someone else's but I'd done it from this really genuine place of um or an earnest place that's still kind of honest um yeah. but it, it becomes harder and harder the more you're just simply looking at the stuff that's in the same uh category as the stuff you're making Right. So I think a mistake that young people make is being like, cool, I really love lettering. Let me go look at like um, a bunch of lettering blogs and sit there for three hours and like pull inspiration into a big folder and like look at it over and over again. Because I think what it does is it forces you into kind of a creative corner of like either you are going to be too susceptible to doing stuff that's already been done or you're going to be so terrified of doing stuff that's, that's similar to you know, that's perhaps stuff you've seen in there that you're going to be kind of like numbed into doing nothing. Right. So you need to allow yourself that kind of, I think, freedom to um, to play without worrying about either getting too far or too close to something, without worrying too much about the little like um, little groove you're carving of like originality within the industry. And that stuff comes a bit later. You know, like it's important to at some point have that distinct voice, which I think people then can buy into. Mm -hmm. But um, when you're starting out, I think you know, I would just, uh, I would just uh, kind of caution people against trying to do that from the get-go. Like yeah. you don't need to put everything you do when you're 21 on the internet. Um, you know, you don't need to constantly be making content and trying to build a big like kind of name for yourself right up front. Like I would say, play around. Like allow yourself just a bit of freedom and breathing room to have fun with it before it becomes kind of like a, a really scary and like kind of, um, you know, anxiety-inducing system of trying to make it make yourself and having to put stuff out there all the time yeah and i think another thing is um i would say like it's it's a good idea to work for other people like because especially if you if you're thinking long term about working for yourself like working for other people is is a really great way of firstly getting mentors within the industry so i mean i think in the u.s um, there wasn't much of this in south africa to be honest like it wasn't like i could go work for for some of my design heroes or anything yeah. Um, but you know you can do that in a country in a country like this you can go work for incredible um, incredibly talented people who have been around for for decades you know doing incredible work at the top of the game right. and there's so much you can learn from that and not just creatively but I mean working for someone else you um, I think more importantly long term you can actually start to understand business of design understand how to deal with clients how to deal with money um which I think becomes increasingly important. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the, the business of design, right? Yeah, I totally it's agree. Crazy with that. important, and people people really underestimate it because, especially when you're young, I think everyone's focused so much on just doing cool work and and kind of money is a bit of a dirty word. And, but you know, like it's it's not like being a starving artist isn't um, isn't particularly uh, appealing or or like romantic when yeah. you when you're in your late. Or early thirties, or you want to have a family all of a sudden, or, right. or any of these things. You know, you kind of 
you kind of want to have those building blocks. And people then talk about it because it's, it doesn't fit into, like, a, I guess, a popular narrative about creative work, which is that it's all about the work and stuff. And, you know, to some degree it is, but I think it's, I'm just not sure for, like, someone who's, who's like, 19 or 20 and busy studying this right now that it's that it does them favors to kind of perpetuate the illusion that um money is like magical in your 20s and 30s but yeah you know what i mean you don't you don't want to be making someone else a lot of money your whole life and that's what the the people who are running running agencies are doing now you know like they're making decent livings um yeah because they've they've been smart about it right exactly I have a couple of like, just like random questions that I wanted to ask you in regards to like typography sure. that are not so uh, not so serious. Um, okay. I'm interested to know like the process of when you, when you start out having like I know like in typography and, and obviously like you're like a letterer so it's kind of like different but there's like that base foundation right like how do you build the base like when, like just the process in general how how do you start that out and how do you know where to go from there. Yeah, it's literally just different every single project I do. Um, some stuff, it's kind of like I, I do a lot of sketching up front and kind of figure it out and then refine it. Um, you know, some stuff I'm just going straight into Illustrator and like messing around with some shapes and then something happens and I kind of figure it out. Um, sometimes I'm, you know, kind of using a typeface, like I said, typing it out, getting it laid out, and then like either redrawing that or customizing that or whatever it might be. Um, but I, I mean, I. I'm the, I'm the wrong guy to maybe ask about process because <laughs> I, I, I can't think of like many times when I've approached anything the same way. Yeah. It's kind of, I'm terrible with process. Like I have like 12 sketchbooks and they're all completely random. And the, for me, my computer was just another sketchbook and there's definitely things I can do with a pencil on a piece of paper that would take much longer to do like in vector, for instance. Um, you know, like there's, there's ways you can draw, like there's ways your your hand can move with your brain that um, are going to produce results that like you're not going to get as easily trying to do that straight on the computer. Definitely. But then there's um, there's stuff that you're going to do straight on the computer that you would never be able to draw. You know, so um, if it's really geometric, like really kind of um, technical or like patterny or whatever it might be, that that stuff's not going to happen with the pen and paper. And, and a lot of the work I've done in the past. Um, I don't think I ever would have been able to do it if if I kind of um, locked myself into this idea of uh, all work starts with a with a pencil and a piece of paper. I just yeah. I just don't believe that's true. I'm like I'm super kind of media agnostic. I don't I don't care like how I started um, because I, I genuinely think just very different things come from it. And I think on the kind of uh, the sort of uh, tangent of that or the corollary of that is starting the same way every time more than likely is going to produce similar results every time. Yeah. Because especially the more you do something, the more you build up muscle memory of that thing. <clears throat> and that's not a bad thing. I mean, for sure, if you get, if you get, a, if you work in a particular style and it allows people to do right, like a lot of admiration for, yeah. um, and if you work in a particular style and you can refine that process down so that, uh, you know, you start one way and then you end a certain way. Um, then it's great because you can, you carry on getting better and better at doing that, and your you know your brain and your hand gets locked into doing that really well, and so you mm-hmm. can improve. But um, I think it's more useful if um, if what you're trying to do is have uh, similar results, like so you have a single, like an aesthetic you work towards, and then you build a, a process that works for that aesthetic. Right, certainly. Um, and a lot of I, I suppose a lot of illustrators, um, more kind of traditional illustration. Um, 
that makes a lot more sense. Right. But I think with what I do, I think the demands from myself and uh, I guess from clients too, like they're too diverse to really lock myself up into into a process. Right. You mentioned about like working like with clients. Um, who have been some of your favorite clients to work with? I had uh, I actually discovered your work. Uh, I guess it was a, f- a few years back now. My grandpa uh, collects um, like all, all things print. He's like not even a designer. He's just like one of those guys who likes to like collect things like memorabilia. And I found your uh, your Yellowstone uh, National Park book. And I thought it was so cool. And then I was on Handsome Frank one day. I like to spend a lot of time there, as you could probably tell. Uh, and uh, and that was that's actually how I discovered your work, which is which is pretty cool. Um, so I know that you worked with with them and uh, with Nike, um, Adobe, uh, the Boston Globe. I love that piece. What have been uh, some of your favorite projects to work on? Are, are there any that really stand out in your mind, or you kind of just keep it moving? I know some people like to do that; they just bang things out and just don't even think about it. Um. I mean, like a, a lot of the stuff I've worked on, I've enjoyed. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's uh, I guess there's a difference between uh, I think what what I see is like foundational kind of, um, well, not foundational, but sort of milestone career things. Mm-hmm. So the Nike stuff was was like a bit of a milestone, and that uh, you know I, I I can look back now and see how it set the it set me up to do a bunch of other things, and right. kind of gave me a bit of exposure that I wouldn't have gotten maybe for a long time otherwise or at all otherwise. Um, and that yellow, I mean, National Geographic, that Yellowstone cover was was one of those in another sense. And that's, I mean, it's like National Geographic and like shit. Like you didn't grow up like enjoying National Geographic and kind of they're a bit of a dream client. And yeah. you know, like I have, I have photographer friends who shot for them, but like, I mean, I think shooting a cover for them is like a lifelong dream. And yeah. I'm like some like jabroni illustrator who you <laughs> gets you gets to do the cover of it, which is. So it's wild, you know, but um, it's in terms of my sketch, favorite no, projects, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, in terms of my favorite projects, it's usually um, it's usually more about the clients. So, um, like the affinity with the uh, brand kind of thing. No, like nothing to do with the brand, literally, because I think one of the biggest misunderstandings from for young people, I guess, is that brands indicates or like the size or or visibility of a brand is an indication of how good or bad a project's going to be. Right, but it's it's not at all like that. I mean, just because a brand is big and um, and it's going to like give you exposure doesn't mean the process is going to be fun. Doesn't mean they're going to be really open necessarily. And not to say that they're closed off, but um, I mean, for me, it's like my probably my, one of my favorite projects is a project I've been working on for years with um, people who become really good friends of mine. And it's just like a, this coffee um, roastery in Cape Town, and you know, I just like sat with them at the beginning of their business before it was a business and kind of discussed things with them. And then a friend of mine, Adam Hill, um, we worked on it together um, and we built their brand. And then over years, like they've been around for, for a really long time now. Um, and we've just worked with them, built their brand, like helped them like kind of uh, create so the right spaces. Like fruition kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, and it's been like this really long, quite fulfilling um relationship where we become friends and kind of collaborative partners and i mean for me that's that's more even though they're, they're kind of quite a small entity in cape town i mean they're doing incredible coffee that it's a if anyone that's i mean they're by far nowhere close to the most lucrative client or the most uh sort of visible client i've ever had but um you know for me that's that's where a lot of the value is because i've been able to like directly see um 
how where the value of, of my kind of input has has gone right and uh, you know and like there's kind of a, a relationship that's built up so for me that's really um, those sorts of projects are, are probably better well not better but they they're more fulfilling I suppose more memorable for sure yeah. but I mean also I mean with the with the National Geographic project as well that was that was super fun um, the client I've worked with him before and um, and he was just a like, super nice guy like it was really like easy process actually especially for something that I think was um, where like the stakes felt really high uh, and the plus I mean for, for, for kind of 80% of that project I was just waiting for it to go away because I was just like and I, <laughs> I can kind of see that like this is cool and he's trying something out but I mean this is National Geographic like chances are right that they're gonna like get to them and yeah. be like nah let's just use this like incredible photograph that we have right so yeah yeah for sure so it was that's uh that was also just kind of i guess recently a fun project but i mean it's a lot of it's fun you know i mean like people are cool it's cool to to deal with people it's nice to be doing stuff with and for people and a lot of the time i think um yeah the projects are fulfilling because the the client needs something and you do something and it's it's valuable to them and right. that's it's like it's worth it yeah, for sure. John Contino has a very similar story to that. I was talking another letterer. I found this food truck that he designed. And then uh, I took a picture and I sent it to John. I said, you know, this is so cool. So I taught my job and uh, Yankee Doodle. I'm going to kill me for not knowing this. But I, I met the guys and I talked with them. I said, you know, hey, I know John Contino. This is, I had the, the food. The food was great. You know, it was a great experience. And they like talked about just like how much John, uh, just from him doing, you know, they were kind of like a mom and pop operation. And now they're like growing faster than they could ever imagine. And, you know, both John and the client both, you know, we're kind of singing each other's praises. And it's so cool because John's worked on like Nike and all these crazy things. But it's amazing to see that when somebody like Kim or it's like, like yourself helps out, you know, a small business, it just goes to show you like that. I think you can really kind of see the power of design. Because it's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. anybody could take Nike and make, I mean, not anyone, but you know, it's easy <laughs> to use the existing brand assets of a huge company and look awesome, but to take a, mm. whether it be like a coffee roasting company or like a food truck and really, you know, grow their sales by like 300% just because of like, you know, cool lettering. That's freaking amazing. Like that's, you know, that's almost like what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you, you hope at some point, I guess they are like the Nike of food trucks. <laughs> is there anybody that, uh, just real quick while we're still on this, um, is there anyone that you have uh, on your bucket list that you wanted to work with? Or are you kind of just take it as it comes sort of thing? Uh, shit. Well, I mean, yeah, just take it as it comes. Yeah. I, I think it ties in with, um, with maybe what I was saying. I, I don't know, just because I think something what the product is is cool means that the experience is going to be cool or that the work will be cool right so i mean you yeah, want the, I, want the I, real I work, definitely yeah. want to work with more um, actually especially now that i'm here i mean i definitely want to work with more small smaller clients like smaller businesses like kind of working um to build things that are a bit bigger because I, I i mean I've, I've done it a lot throughout the years i'm um, doing more like overarching branding stuff and it's it's really fun and it's, it's like a little bit um more fulfilling in some ways um you know it's a bit more taxing because it takes like way longer um, right yeah it can't and it's much more demanding and like then like sort of editorial or whatever where it's like a week and you just get it done and then it's out and you don't have to think about it again right but in another way it's it's bad especially um 
especially like smaller brands when you see like you know you're there early and like what they're doing is cool and then you can add like a a, a little bit of value to that and then kind of through some collaboration or sort of combination of the both um, of both things it like helps that success grow right. and so it's just really rad to watch for sure to, to kind of see brands grow kind of what you're saying with that thing of chance you know so yeah i'm definitely interested in that space i mean it's not it's not a bucket list um, as such but i think um it's like a space i'm more interested in doing more in for sure so uh yeah. and closing on, on that right along those lines uh you know you just obviously made the move from um, cape town to portland here in the states and um what is your uh what are you currently working on what are some of the things that you're most excited about um and uh, what are your plans for the future? Oh, okay. man. Well, can keep it question. secret if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, like some stuff I'm working on, I can't really talk about, I guess. Um, but, I mean, I've just been, I've been doing like some, some editorial stuff, some bigger projects, um, some advertising stuff, I guess. Um, but then the stuff I'm most excited about is, uh, I suppose at the moment, um, I'm kind of ex- excited about just um, kind of figuring out the space a bit. Um, and then figuring out the long-term ideas of, of what I want to kind of um, strategically try and move into. So I've got some sort of um, product ideas I'm trying to develop, stuff that's kind of unrelated to to that kind of print design or, or kind of design as I've been doing it. Um, right. And so actually it's like, it's it's ironically um, the future is <laughs> kind of stuff that I'm, it's not quite actually what I've been doing. And that's actually what I'm, I'm more excited about doing. That sounds awesome. I had the I got an awesome inbox message this week from Tom, from uh, Handsome uh-huh. Frank, and uh, my dreams have come true. I've been invited to the Handsome Frank Christmas party, so uh, I'm gonna start saving. <laughs> we're, we're gonna see. So, uh, but yeah, it's been so cool to to meet everyone there, um, and this has been great. Thank you so much for doing this. Where can people find you uh, online? Uh, I want if you're a young designer and you're listening to this podcast and you have not seen Jordan's work, you have to go. It may make you want to quit, but you're going to power through, you're going to experiment, and you're going to kick ass. All right, go. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so, yeah, my, my website is probably fine, jordan-metcalf.com. And then I don't really use anything else except Insta, and that's jordan underscore Metcalf, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually, I, I kind of use Instagram like a bit of a blog, so I don't actually put any personal shit up there. I just kind of, it's a way of quickly putting up something I've been working on or, or been sketching around. So it's just probably the, the best way to actually stay updated. And then, yeah, Handsome Frank as well, handsomefrank.com. Perfect. Dude, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, appreciate it. Awesome. Cheers, buddy. Peace. Come on, see ya. Bye.